Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Oh, yeah. Live around the world on the interwebs and, of course, across the state of Alaska, on this, your favorite radio station and or translator, it is The Michael Duke Show. Hi, how are ya? <laughs> you ready for, I don't know what the deal is. The same thing happened again today. I'm struggling, struggling to get the simulcast up. We finally got it. We got it. We're good. Everything's rocking and rolling. Uh, feeling pretty, uh, for feeling pretty good today. Uh, we uh, uh, broadcasting, uh, you know, we had those issues here uh last week uh i guess was it a week ago week and a half ago whatever it was uh where we lost the computer in the studio and did everything else and had to bypass and well we're working on the new one now thank you so much to the members of the common sense core for helping to support the show and uh by doing so of course they were able to uh uh they were able to uh, uh help us uh, get our new get our new uh our system up here so it was through their uh, their support and sponsorship that um, we're able to do the things that we do each and every day, both on the radio and on the interwebs. So thank you so much to the members of the Common Sense Corps for helping out in that way. We are very appreciative of them. We got everything back up and running and hopefully glitch-free today. Both fingers crossed. Uh, hopefully glitch-free today as we continue ahead. <clears throat> well, big show. Big show today. We got a uh, full boat of things to talk about, uh, to discuss. We've got guests. Starting off in hour one this morning, we're going to cover some headlines, and then we're going to dive into it uh, to see what's going on in the State House with Kathy Tilton, who is the GOP state representative from District 12, in Wasilla, she is also the House Minority Leader, and we will talk with her about uh, what she can, what we can expect here in the waning days of the session. We are officially now less than two weeks away from the uh, from the end of the uh, of this year's session, and we'll see what um, we'll see what happens here. We'll get the we'll get the full rundown from her in hour one. Then in hour two. We're going to uh, be diving into it directly and straight away with uh, State Senator Rob Meyer, who I like to, you know, I like to think of him as kind of the, uh, he's kind of that quiet, plotting kind of, you know, plotting behind the scenes kind of guy. I mean, he, he's, he's always so nice and gentle and, you know, he doesn't get real wrapped up and excited, but he's a thinker. You know, he's always in the background there um, putting some good stuff together and, uh, and and always has some great stuff when he talks on the floor and everything else. Uh, but he's not, uh, <clears throat> you know, he's not bombastic. He's not, uh, uh, he's, oh man, I love talking to him. Um, it's, um, it's good. It's good. Yeah, I did a lot of work yesterday. I said I had no idea what today's show was going to be and boom, I made it happen. 
I made it happen. It was, oh man, it's just so crazy. Uh, but we got some headlines here <clears throat> this morning that we are going to dive into. And there is some uh, crazy stuff going on. Uh, around the state of Alaska that we're going to talk about. Um, and we're going to dive into that uh, first things first. Uh, so we appreciate you coming on and joining us. Don't forget that you can join us, as always, you can join us in the uh, chat room if you would like to uh, If you'd like to be part of it. We'd love to hear what you guys have to say this morning uh, in the chat room. Uh, feel free to come on board and join us. It's on Facebook at facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show, facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show. And uh, you can uh, find it over there and uh, join us on that or on YouTube or on Twitch. Anyway, you could join all the folks who are <clears throat> hanging out with us uh, there and uh, and participate on the program in that way. You can always also, by the way, send me an email if you'd like to comment on something but don't want to have your voice being heard or whatever at uh, on my, uh, uh, in my email at Michael Duke Show, me at MichaelDukeShow.com, M-E at MichaelDukeShow.com. Okay, so let's, uh, let's talk about some of the headlines uh, here, shall we, this morning? Um, a couple of things caught my attention. I guess first and foremost... Um, you know, I often say, as goes Anchorage, so goes the rest of the state, right? I mean, Anchorage is the largest community. I mean, like it or not, you know, lo love Anchorage or hate Anchorage or whatever, but it's the, you know, it's the largest community in the state. A lot of things are driven from there. And we've been watching some stuff play out in Anchorage that is just, I mean, it is, it is like, it is like the battle royale uh, over the, the, over the heart and soul of the city of Anchorage. Uh, over the last couple of years, including, you know, the meltdown of Mayor uh, Berkowitz uh, with the butt shot and the crazy lady and all that kind of stuff. And uh, and then, of course, some of the backlash we've seen, some of the people and some of the attempted power grabs during the COVID lockdown by the assembly. Uh, that led to the rise of Mayor Dave Bronson, who was supported by a big chunk of uh, of Anchorage and what has become one of the most contentious, contentious um, battles between uh, a uh, an elected uh, legislative body, which is the municipal assembly, and the administration of the of Dave Bronson there in the city of Anchorage, and so now we're seeing some of these things come to light, and this is kind of shocking to me. Uh, must read Alaska, who's been following this pretty closely, and I'll note, I will note that the ADN has not been reporting on this part of it at all. Um, I mean, I could not find the story in the ADN, and I looked uh, because I was like, well, really, is, is, is the ADN talking about this at all? I'm just curious. Um, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the story comes out that uh, the assembly is now trying to create a new process by which they can remove the mayor uh, that has been duly elected by the people. Now, there's been some stories in the ADN about how they're, you know, that they're battling it out between the two bodies, that uh, the mayor has been uh, doing some vetoes, the, 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 the battle over city spending, that kind of stuff. But nobody else has really touched on this. Suzanne Downing talking about an ordinance that's been offered by uh, Anchorage Assembly Vice Chairman Chris Constant, who is also a candidate for Congress, I'll have you know, 
He has moved for a new section of city code that would give broad authority and a legal path to remove the mayor from office. It's uh, Ordinance 2022-60, which will be introduced at the May 10th meeting. Uh, it, it has a list of offenses that if the mayor breaches any of these offenses, can lead to the removal by a vote of a simple two-thirds vote of the assembly. Now, that could include the acceptance, uh, acceptance of cash gifts uh, from one doing business in the muni, perjury, falsification of records, filing false reports, nepotism, making personal use of municipal or school district property, destruction of public property, official oppression, actual or attempted official misconduct, ordering a municipal employee or contract employee uh, to undertake an unlawful act or substantial breach of statutory code or charter imposed duty. Now, this is appears to, uh, according to Must Read, appears to have been written by a former official of the Berkowitz administration, uh, Bill Falsey, who is an additional contract lawyer for the Anchorage Assembly. They have their own they have their own legal department, but apparently they've been contracting Bill Falsey on the outside for more work. But the removal procedures would begin with the accusation. That would be delivered to a municipal clerk who is also very has a very contentious relationship with the mayor's office, works exclusively for the assembly. The accusation would need only to have a majority of the assembly and uh, must have specific actions against uh, the public trust or the breach of the public trust. It would then go to the attorney or the special counsel, again, in this case, falsy. And if found sufficient, the assembly would employ a hearing officer to conduct an inquisition. Upon the recommendation of the hearing officer to remove or not remove the mayor, the assembly could vote to remove the mayor. He would then have the ability to challenge the ruling in superior court, but in the meantime, the assembly could install its own mayor seven days after the assembly decision unless the judge issues some kind of stay. The assembly says this action would not constitute irreparable harm and says the mayor's seat may still be uh, temporarily filled pending the outcome of the case, even if the judge issues a stay. Now, I mean, if this doesn't seem like a power grab, I mean, this is a dutifully elected official, elected by the people, um, and 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 they're finding what this. I mean, what? This is the. I mean, there are already there's already ways you can do this. You know, recall if there's criminal neglect or corruption or things like. I mean, these things can already happen, but. This is what they're attempting to do. I mean, wow. I mean, this is this is this is some crazy, crazy stuff. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what. But again, remember, only reason I'm bringing this up because most of you don't care. It's like I don't live in Anchorage, and what do I care? Well, because as goes Anchorage, my friend, so goes the rest of the state. In the legislature yesterday. There was a vote to make the permanent fund dividend a 50-50 split permanent. They could have they could have done that. That was that was the vote. Um, they had a they had a a nine to nine. Um, they had a nine to nine vote going on because Senator von Inhofe is excused, and uh, apparently this uh, amendment, which has been offered by Roger Holland, 
would have taken the uh, the wording in SB 199 where they would have taken that 50 flit, 50-50 split, it would have just been for this year, and then it goes to 25-75 until they come up with $800 million in revenue. This would have made the 50-50 split permanent year after year. Casting the critical vote was Senator Josh Revac, who was running for Congress, by the way. I mean, he apparently showed up because there was another. I mean, this is the thing. He, <clears throat> Josh Revac, boom. Now he's been missing. Uh, apparently, there was some stuff, some discussion on this back in April, where he's barely been seen in Juno since the death of Congressman Young. He showed up a couple times to make comments, and uh, you know, showed up on the Senate floor to the for to make a memoriam to Congress Young and everything else. Uh, but it pretty much since mo- for most of April, Peter Machicki has been chairing the Natural Resources Committee, which is Revax Committee. Um, he's had a hard time cobbling together a quorum sometimes to conduct business, and he has been all over the state running for. Congress. Now, the question is, is he really raising money to run for Congress or is he raising money for his state race? Because he's entered in both races. He's declared candidate for both seats, but you can't really look at the it's illegal for you to raise money while the legislature is in session as a legislator. But it's lawful if you're running for a federal seat. But really, are you doing the work of the people if you're out there campaigning almost full time um, for for the. uh, uh, you know, for for the deal, and uh, and this vote, this failed vote, said immediately says as soon as he you know did this failed vote where he voted against the fifty fifty split, he immediately walked down the hill to a to a fundraiser at the uh, Crystal Saloon in the Capitol. <laughs> I mean, this is uh, yesterday. Peter Machicki also delayed the vote on the budget so that Josh Revac could campaign this weekend, and he also delayed the girls in sports bill. So Revac could be there to vote for it as well. Uh, some of the commentary I'm getting out of the legislature is it seems like the entire leadership, with the exception of Mia Costello, has been doing some some covering for Josh Revac on this thing so he can go out there and do all this stuff. I mean, I'm just wow. 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 I just remember this is Josh Revac, the same guy who said, why would we give people a ten thousand dollar dividend if it if it was if the formula said ten thousand? Why would we do that? And I'm like, because the government's getting 10000 Why? I mean, it's a rising tide floats all boats. He was just aghast that people should receive that amount of money from their fair share of the resources. I still, I'm still, I still remember how shocked I was when he said that in the interview that I had him on. But, uh, you know, don't worry. This guy, he's going to be the congressman for all Alaska and take care of you. I mean, he's going to do it. Promise. Oh, all right. We're up against the break. We got to uh, we got to go. So we're going to take it uh, real quick and we're going to be back. Kathy Tilton is going to be our guest. We're going to be talking with her about what is uh, happening in the legislature and what we can expect for the uh, final waning days of this session. That's all directly ahead. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense. Liberty based. Free Thinking Radio. Back with more after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. 
Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we are in the break right now. We're going to be talking with Kathy Tilton here in just a hot moment. And uh, we appreciate you guys uh, coming in and uh, and being part of it today. Uh, feeling pretty good. Uh, back to kind of, I think I got everything back on track here with this uh, this whole PC situation and everything. And I do want to say a special thank you to the uh, members of the Common Sense Corps. These guys right here, and you could be part of that too, by the way. These guys right here helped me get back on track. Uh, had to replace some equipment, and um, um, after PC corruption, failure, whatever, uh, these are the guys that helped make it all happen. And uh, I really appreciate all the members of the core that uh, helped uh, bring this helped bring this to pass. So thank you so much for uh, uh, for doing so. Um, let me get, uh, <clears throat> I suppose before we get too far along here, I should get Kathy Tilton on the line just to make sure, you know, I don't want to leave anything to the last minute today. Man, it was a hot, it was a hot mess yesterday uh, or this morning uh, when we first got started. I had to restart the broadcast like three or four times uh, before Facebook would pick up and do what it needed to do. So let's, uh, let's jump over here to uh, see if we can get Kathy on the line. Good morning. Good morning, young lady. How are you doing this morning? I am doing great. Good, good. You all ready to uh, rock and roll? I am. Okay, good. Well, let me make sure that I got. Uh, let me make sure that I got all the bells and whistles put together and all the all my ducks in a row. I think I do. Uh, so Perfect. Enjoy my virtual coffee and donuts in the green room, and uh, we'll be right back to you. Okay. Thank you. All right, Kathy Tilton uh, on the line with us. So we're already ahead of the game. Look at that. We've already got that. We're already ahead of the game on that. Um, let me go back and read some of the comments. Oh, I don't have time to read Harold uh, Herman's comment. That's like 12 pages or something there. Um, all right, let me go back over here. Um, if the council can remove the person elected, then the mayor should be able to sue. Well, he should be able to, and he is able to fight it in superior court. The problem is, is that if they vote, they essentially can then fill his position with somebody temporary, uh, even if he gets a stay, according to the article. Um uh, provided it applies to the assembly as well. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure I'm opposed. Somehow I have my doubts. I'm sure there is a process for removal, but again, here's the thing. We're talking about somebody who's been lawfully elected by the, uh, all the citizens of the, uh, of the community. Do you really want the assembly making that decision? Shouldn't the voters make that decision? I mean, there's already a recall. There's already, you know, if it's criminal, there could do, th you know, they could, there's plenty of options out there. But a simple two-thirds majority vote of the assembly can then suddenly reverse what all the elected officials, excuse me, what all the electorate had decided on that. Yeah. Um, according to the article, Revac immediately left the Senate chambers after that and went to a congressional fund. Yeah, I know. I mean, what was the, how did they, how did she write it? He walked, uh, he walked down the hill. Uh, Revac headed out of the Senate chambers immediately after the vote, walked down the hill from the Capitol to the Crystal Saloon, where he is holding a fundraiser for his congressional bid. So come on out. He's all, man, I just, you can't make this stuff up. Just can't make this stuff up. 
Constant is such a foul-mouthed liberal tool. Well, yes. Um, uh, all right. Uh, going back here. Uh, scrolling back is... Uh, wow, yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, good morning. All right, I made it to the beginning of the comments. There's nothing super um, uh, earth-shattering on that. Will he be condemned? A revac, or will he be protected because he's a registered Republican? Well, I mean, the Republican Party's done such a bang-up job. Even when they have condemned somebody, it I mean, it doesn't really seem to do anything, you know? I mean, that's, that's, wow. I wonder how that provision for removing the mayor mixes with the you have a special election in case of a vacancy provision of the city charter. You mean the one that they ignored? The one that they ignored while they had Austin Quinn Davidson's seat empty while she was filling the mayor. I mean, that one. Yeah, it's a crazy, crazy world. Let's uh, let's get into it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Okay. Well, that was annoying. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's my little warning that we're coming back from break, but apparently it was uh, way too late at that point because we were already back from break. All right. We'll have to fix that here today. Anyway, welcome back to the program. Thanks for coming in and joining us. It is the Michael Duke Show. We're diving into the state business now. We're going to find out what's been happening over in the... Uh, uh, what's been happening over in the state house? Uh, joining us this morning on the telephone to discuss all things uh, uh, related to the uh, state house is Kathy Tilton, who's a GOP state rep for District 12 in Wasilla. She's also the House Minority Leader, and she joins us now for further discussions on uh, everything that's going on. Good morning, there, lady. How are you doing? Good morning, Michael. Good morning, everyone. I'm doing uh, I'm doing pretty good, all things considered. <laughs> all things considered. Um, I didn't get to the story in my headlines, but, you know, I had to laugh this morning when the big headline uh, out of the paper, and in fact, it was even in the AP for the statewide news, was that the Alaska House passes a bill suspending taxes on motor fuel for a year, um, mm. which... Uh, I mean, okay, great. It's uh, eight cents a gallon. They're going to suspend it for a year. Couldn't get a dividend, but at least we got something, I guess. This is our consolation prize or something, you know. Again, not that I'm complaining about a cut of any taxes of any kind, but at some point I got to scratch my head and say, we can't get a full PFD, but eight cents a gallon, boy, we can do that. 36 to two said, okay, we can do that. Um, Yeah, Michael, I hear you on that. You know, the thing was that that bill actually came across as a tax, as a a gas tax increase. Oh, yeah. No, it was gutted out. I thought that was the interesting part was that you're supposed to double the tax to 16 cents and and the surcharge and everything else. And it got gutted out. And now it's going to be a suspension for a year. Yeah, that's good. Don't get me wrong. But I just I found the irony of it pretty thick that here it is, Uh, you know, I'm right there beside you. I mean, I just, you know, we, we have 
we have all the funds that we need. We have more money coming in and it wouldn't matter if we didn't have more money coming in. A statutory dividend is what is owed to the people of Alaska. So um, why, <laughs> you know, that's all you can just look and go, why not? What's I, you know, the house wanted uh, in their budget to do a, uh, throw it at the wall and see what sticks dividend and uh, add something that they wanted to call some kind of energy, whatever they wanted to call it. They didn't want to call it a dividend. Um, didn't make sense whatsoever. But like you said, what, you know, since we took your dividend, we're going to give you just this, this little bitty something to be happy about. You know? it's, like, <laughs> yeah, it's like stealing all your lunch money and say, here, kid, here's a stick of gum. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Taking your lunch money or your and your lunch and leaving you yeah with a little sticker. Yeah, yeah. Here, here you go. Here's this. Here's a stick of juicy fruit. Enjoy that. You won't be hungry after this. I mean, it's going to be fun. Right. Right. Uh, it's pretty crazy, Kathy. I want to kind of get your take on everything that's going on and what you expect to happen in the next two weeks. But I've got to start off with this. House Finance on Tuesday reported its capital budget, and we are now up to. $1.4 billion in supplemental budget for fiscal year 22, raising the overall spend for this year's budget, which everybody's like, oh, look, we did such a great job. It's only $4.6 billion. Now it's up to $6 billion, $1.4 billion in supplemental alone for its capital budget. I mean, I got to talk about, give me, talk to me here. What, what, what are you, what are you seeing? fascinating right <laughs> that's all um, i can go wow fascinating. fascinating that's not the word that i use i can't use the word that i would use for well, it on I can't the air. either on the radio so uh, yeah. i have to go with something polite but yeah. um yeah just just absolutely amazing i think there's an interesting uh interesting uh dynamics going on between the co-chairs in both houses and both bodies and i'm not sure I, normally i have a pretty good read of what's going on but it sounds like to me and i spent most of the night reading the senate's budget because it's a you know a trunk and it has everything all in one capital right. supplemental omnibus, operating yeah yep. yeah pretty omnibus i i said i read through that last night and then it seems to me that the house is just trying to get something over the line before the senate comes over because i think that if they don't have anything, they're afraid that the Senate's just going to send theirs over and leave town. And then there, there wouldn't be any kind of, you know, the, the House wouldn't have any say. So the budget they're putting together, and I'm not making any excuses for them, I, it's absolutely absurd. But um, they are, I believe what they're trying to do is put something together so they can get it over, over to the other side. The... The Senate bill was already, I mean, the $600 million increase, uh, no, $600 million supplemental already. So now we're up to over $1.4 billion. <laughs> We've got, you know, so the the words that came out of uh, uh, the Senate finance co-chair's mouth, uh, 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 Stedman, was essentially, after we do all this, we still have $4.4 billion to play with. I mean, to play with. That's, I mean, 
We can't get a full PFD. I know. I was just going to say, well, you have what? You have money to play with? But yeah. I think you've forgotten we, the people. We, yeah. The most important thing. Yeah, we can't spend another $900 million to pay a full PFD in this state, uh, but you're going to have a $4.5 billion surplus to do with that you want. You know, and guarantee you that money is not going into the CBR, uh, where, right. where it becomes partially out of reach and empowers the minority in any way. Uh, right. You know, this, this money is going to be spent on whatever pet project they feel like. I mean, so much for fiscal restraint. They were all about fiscal restraint at the beginning of the session. And now it's like sailors with gallons of grog <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, I think fiscal restraint went out the window quite a while ago. So that's, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I, I always had to you laugh. Know, at, I, mean, I always had to laugh at politicians that said something about, oh, we've got to show some fiscal restraint. And these are the same people that were in charge during the uh, teens when we were spending, you know, 16, 17, 18 billion dollars out of savings. Yeah, they got some fiscal yeah. restraint going on. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Sure. You know, um, I mean, right. I mean, you've got you got four point whatever billion dollars left over and you've got money to f uh, forward fund education and you've got every you've got everything under the sun and all but all the excuses of why you can't do a full statutory dividend and it just doesn't make any sense when we saw it yesterday in the senate um when they put i mean they had sb what is it uh, 119 One, 199 yep. 199 and sb 199 and we saw the and, uh, you know, that one didn't pass. And then even trying to do a little bit more of a compromise where, you know, okay, let's meet in the middle so that we can get a fiscal plan going here. And you can't get that. So there's, you know, there's there's no room in there for um, for having a discussion about a long term fiscal plan for the state of Alaska. I've continued over and over and over again to tell the Speaker of the House that the components of the fiscal plan, especially the constitutional spending limit. Are, is the number one priority of the minority, but you know it. You know, I just it, it just goes like nowhere. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's a hot mess, and I don't know what's going to happen here as we get closer to the uh, end of the session. Um, I mean, we're pretty close now, but as we wind up, I guess the remaining days of the session, uh, as you said, the House is trying to get their final pieces out before the Senate does. The Senate rolled this whole thing up, and you just mentioned it yesterday. Mike Shower mentioned it into an omnibus bill, which uh, people don't really know what that means. It means instead of having a separate budget for the operating budget and for the capital budget and for the supplemental budget, instead they wrap it all up into one big, like you said, turducken, one big package, and so it becomes extremely extremely hard to try and separate these things out and figure it out. And you can't vote for one without voting for them all. You couldn't vote for an operating budget uh, or a capital budget without voting for the operating budget or the supplemental or anything else. I mean, it is, uh, it is, it is crazy, crazy stuff. And, you know, I'm going to just say, Michael, that when you look at the capital budget and of course I'm, I'm, I'm Matt Sue and a little bit of the back end of Anchorage, but I got to tell you, if you want to look at any, you know, you talk about all this extra spend. If you want to look at any balance in that spend and where it's going across this uh, great state of ours, it's not balanced. I'll tell you that we got a report from uh, ledge uh, finance that we asked for on the capital board portion and the capital portion going to the Matt Sue of what they have is less than 2%. Yeah, so there's not a whole lot of equitability. Is that what you're saying? I mean, the second largest uh, region, <laughs> second largest region in the state, and we still yeah. can't, uh, and we still can't get what we need out of this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Um, Kathy Tilton is our guest, GOP state rep for District 12. She's the House Minority Leader uh, as well. Um, all right. So give us some ideas here as we, again, we're just, we're under two weeks. Yesterday was the two-week mark. We're about to close out this session. What What is going to happen here? Explain to people. Give us some inside baseball here. What are, what are we going to be doing um, uh, over the next 13 days before the end of this session? Oh, well, over the next 13 days, I think that the House finance is going to scramble to get a budget, a capital budget over to the Senate. The Senate is going to be um, doing the amendments I've heard on their um, omnibus bill on Monday, um, trying to get that over to the House. Uh, the House is going to be doing some bills that aren't necessary, and I don't even know why we're doing them, because they're House bills and they're not going to go further than that. But um, uh, there's going to be um, probably lots of discussion about how do we how do we get to this uh, how do we get to this end game and get all of the votes that are needed and I I you know I think that uh, the coaches probably feel like they crafted a budget that they don't have to worry too much about about getting different votes but I I think they're wrong. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, and this is the thing. I mean, this is all at this point, as we unpack everything that's happened over this last mm-hmm. session, it can all go back to that original formation of the majority minority when we thought we were going to be running the running the ship, you know, at the beginning of the session. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, the whole thing, all the wheels come off the bus. And, uh, you know, we had Merrick and we had Rasmussen and then we've got Thompson and, you know, all these people kind of jump ship and all of a sudden the game totally changed. Now, do you think that this election cycle is going to make a difference in that? I mean, I'm I just I just got to know. You know, I would like to say yes, Michael, but I am with the all the changes that we'll be facing this election cycle. I can't confidently say that it's going to change the people who, you know, who made their decisions to, uh, to, uh, you know, caucus with the Democrats. I don't, I I would, I would love to say yes. And maybe a month or two ago, I might've felt more confident about that, but I'm not feeling as confident. Although I will say that we have got some seats that have opened up and there is a lot of opportunity and, to um, pick up some seats that we didn't have before. And what we know is that we have to get to a 23, 24 at least. Um, and, uh, you know, th- it needs to be no doubt in our minds when we come back into, when we come back next next time, you know, God willing that right. I'm elected. But- it's it's got to be a bulletproof majority, not just a thin, not just a hair thin majority. It's got to be bulletproof so that one or two Absolutely. people, yeah, if they peel off. Yeah. Um, yeah. Y- you mentioned the 2% out of the capital budget for the Matsu. Charlie Pierce in the chat room just mentioned the peninsula got zero. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> well, you're welcome. Yeah. You know, I mean, so, uh, you know, where, where's all this money going? What's going on? Uh, you know, we've got so many needs uh, in, in so many different areas of Alaska, and it just seems like there's an, uh, an inequitability built into this whole thing, whether we're talking about the PFD or the capital budget or anything else. Um, yeah. you know, we'd like to see a, re- we'd like to see a reduction in spending, but if you're going to spend the capital budget, at least it should, there should be some equitability baked into it. hundred percent agree with you that I, I absolutely would love to see reduction. And the interesting thing is, is that I think we, you know, so 
so we feel like we're flush with money and we're not because first off that money had to come from somewhere and it's going to come from someone's pocket eventually, right. maybe not today, but it, but it does come from someone's pocket. And, and the, the interesting thing is that, you know, I think we forget that you, we should be funding the things we already own and taking care of the stuff we already have to deal with, um, taking care of our needs over our wants. And well, I, Cruising through this budget, I found a lot of wants that weren't necessarily uh, high priority needs. Well, right, exactly. I mean, the capital budget. We were just talking the other day about the various pots around the state, uh, the un, you know, the underfunded and the unfunded uh, deferred maintenance around the state. You know, the the city of or the borough of Fairbanks has you know almost a three has a quarter of a billion dollars down in Anchorage. It's almost three quarters of a billion dollars. And then somebody pointed out that the state's unfunded deferred maintenance is upwards of like, I mean, it's in the billions of dollars. And yet we're going to go ahead and we'll be funding all these nice to have projects instead of taking care of the stuff we already got. Um, Yeah. Take care of the people. Take care of the stuff you already got. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Kathy Tilton is our guest. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what her priorities are going to be moving into the next uh, next few uh, days of the session. And we'll also talk about some of the uh, some of the more contentious things. And again, going back to that majority uh, as well, it'll all be part of our discussion. That's coming up here. The Michael Duke Show continues. Don't forget, you can always check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show if you want to be part of the discussion. we got about 60, 70 people in the chat room right now hanging out with us. Come on in and let's have a conversation. We'll be back with more right after this. Your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. At what point does it seem to be just... um, punitive Kathy I mean you, you got the you got the two you got the most populous uh, area and fastest growing region of the state the Matsu getting two percent of the capital budget you've got the of course it's also the most conservative uh, area of the state probably tied neck and neck with the peninsula for being most conservative and these two places got two percent and zero percent of the capital budget at what point do you just go that just seems punitive? um when they first put it out yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) right away yeah Um, yeah yeah i absolutely and you know again it goes back to the you know the voices of of even even the voices of the minority um it's it's a really different change from when the democrats were in the minority um to to have their voices heard, it was just about, well, what projects do you want? We're just going to throw some money at it because, you know, they want to spend more. It's a it's a different conversation with uh, the minority now because we don't want more. We don't want more money spent. We want to have less, you know, less money spent. We want to do things like have the spending limit come to the floor, um, ha- you know, um, the components of a long-term fiscal 
plan, looking at, I mean, the things that I've asked the speaker for, uh, or are just that, um, the components of the long-term fiscal plan, the, especially the spending limit. Um, and you know, if we can't, if we can't go there, I don't see why we can't, but if we can't go there, then let's look at the crime bills because, you know, we all know that there's a problem with, um, you know, um, domestic violence and sexual assault and, and trafficking. And there's some there's some good bills sitting there and they're not moving in the House. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to pass anything, I guess that would be the thing to pass. But it, again, my question goes back to, man, should we really be passing more bills or should we be repealing some stuff at this point? No, well, yeah, that's exactly what I said when I was talking on the floor a few weeks, maybe it was a week ago, about the fact that the, I don't know if anybody heard this, but I talked about committee bills and that uh, there was a lot of committee bills filed this year and the that the filing of committee bills didn't, you know, that there there is this up, there is a cutoff where we can't file personal legislation, and I'm good with that. And I'm, and unfortunately, I'm starting to think we need to uh, limit legislation on on legislators. And like I said at the, on the floor when I said that, I said, you know, and in my district, I think they'd be pretty happy if if you were actually only taking away, <laughs> you know, taking away legislation and taking away rules and regulations and removing them. I think uh, I did, a, I signed a co-sponsored on a bill uh, not, well, maybe two sessions ago that would have done that. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's frustrating to watch. And of course, I'm always hopeful, especially after redistricting, because usually the entirety of the legislature is up for re-election, and this is the case this year. There's only one yep. seat, only one Senate seat that's not up for re-election. Um, but, I mean, I'm always hopeful that something is going to happen. But I can only go so many years of, oh, this time it'll be it. No, no, this time it'll be it. No, 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 this time it'll be it. I just, mm. I just don't know, which leads to the question, which I don't know if we'll have enough time to get into on the radio, but it re- leads to the question, of the const uh, the constitutional convention, um, mm-hmm. uh, because I mean, is that I mean, quickly here is that is that a the only way we're really going to get something done in your opinion? Um, unfortunately, it's a reality, and you know, I I as on the end of my talk regarding the budget, that's what I said. I said it should be no wonder to the people sitting here in this room why the people will rise up and vote for a constitutional convention. Um, we can't uh, we can't uh, give them a full dividend a statutory dividend and not only will we not give them a statutory dividend many of you here in this room refuse to do that not only that you don't even want to talk about what is it going to look like then to do some kind of a revision send it to the people because the people need to have a voice in this and let them have a say and so it's just there's just no will to do any of that so it might be the only way yeah. Well, it's uh, again, I, 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 I still have some concerns about the con con, but mm-hmm. I'm coming to believe at this point that the legislature is, uh, you know, as a whole is just inept and it's not going to do anything. Nothing is going to change. So yeah. yep. uh, it's uh, yep. it, it's uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be frustrating for sure. Um, yep. And right. I'm right there with you. I have a little bit of, I'm a little concerned too, but this is the first year in all the years that I've been voting that I, I would be le- lean towards being yes. 
All right. Uh, Kathy Tilton uh, is our guest. If you would do me a favor, folks, uh, three shares this morning so far, only three. Um, so we got about 50 people in the Facebook, 60 people in the Facebook chat. If you would like and share this video, if you would like and follow the, the show page and do all that stuff, that would help us out. Kathy, hold the line. We're about to jump back into it. We're 15 seconds out. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio, like and share, hit the subscribe bell, ring the bell on YouTube, then share from YouTube as well. Do it all. Let's get into it. Here we go. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. All right, Kathy Tilton is our guest, and we are uh, continuing to discuss uh, what's going to be happening in the legislative session. I want to get uh, her priorities here, figure out what she's going to be focusing on here in the waning days. But before we do that, I guess we should talk a little bit about some of the stuff that's happened recently and some of the more contentious issues. And of course, it all comes back to the it all comes back to the uh, uh, you know m- minority majority split. How do we you know how do we make that happen? Of course, one of the problems early on was that there was a lot of contention inside the Republican uh, uh, caucus to begin with. And that kind of came to the head here recently with the removal of David Eastman from the caucus. And it wasn't a specific thing. It was like the final straw that broke the camel's back thing. Um, and I know that there was a lot of uh, angst and, uh, and and a lot of vitriol that's been kind of flung in that direction. But the bottom line is, is that at some point, everybody has to kind of kumbaya and come together a little bit to work together. And uh, even if you all agree, you've got to kind of even, you've got to work with people. You can't lone wolf it uh, and expect to get anything done. And in fact, it can be detrimental, uh, as we saw during the formation of the caucuses. Uh, so Kathy, do you want to give a, give you a minute here to address that so you can give your say and, and, and say something to all the people out there. Some of them are obviously outraged by it. Other people are, are breathing a sigh of relief. What, what, what's, uh, give me, (laughs) give me the take on it here. Sure. I have, um, I think I did a, I know I did a little press conference and, you know, representative Eastman is certainly, um, able to represent his constituency, however, and in whatever manner that he feels is the right way to represent them. But like you said, there has to be a willingness to work with other people, um, within your caucus. And, um, there was not any kind of a planned, um, um, planned idea of of this happening but I think that it just came to a head with many of the members and uh, you know we um, like like you said maybe maybe we can't point to one specific one specific thing at this particular point in time especially since we don't we don't talk about what we talk about in in the caucus meetings. Um, but Representative Eastman was in the meeting. He was able to address all of the members and their concerns, and uh, he he did have that opportunity. And um, you know, um, like you say, some people are outraged, and I can understand that. And some people are relieved, and I can understand that as well. And and I think it, it comes back to again, and I and I've said this, and I'll keep saying it just so for clarification. I mean, I appreciate uh, Eastman's philosophy and his beliefs mm-hmm. and what he does. Mm-hmm. I agree with probably eighty five percent of the positions that he is mm-hmm. uh, has taken. It's just sometimes it matters 
how you get to things. You know, it's not necessarily always we all may be going to the same destination, but it's the journey that, you know, to take us there, the way that we do things. Um, And it just seems like, you know, sometimes the scorched earth policy or the demagoguery is 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 the intent instead of actually getting to the goal, in in my opinion. Absolutely. Yep. 100% 100% agree with that. Um, and, and that's going to, you know, that's going to be challenging as we come back into it after this next election cycle, because, again, hugely popular, 75% of the of the vote in the, in the Matsu. Um, I don't know is that anything is going to change on that, but that's going to make it challenging, again, to come back with uh, after the election, depending on how many people are there. Like you said, you need a 23 or 24 uh, person or legislator majority to really make things happen. Sure, we've sat here and we've watched just even watching uh, this, uh, you know, Louise is a speaker right now with the 21 majority. Um, that's that's a really difficult place to be um, in any manner and with anybody. I mean, with any group of people, you need to have a have more more people on board than that. And, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, a lot of the times where there's been nothing happening in the house, I believe it's just because Louise knew she didn't have the vote sitting there. And so, you know, we're like, uh, through the time when we didn't go to the floor because, you know, it was, it was uh, couched as a masking issue, but it really right. was an issue if she oh. didn't have enough members. Oh, for the yeah. vote. No, that was exactly it. I mean, they could have had a quorum, but because they didn't have the right quorum, it was, right. uh, you know, it was now it's a masking <laughs> issue. And of course, the second that they have enough for their right quorum, the masking issue disappears and it becomes voluntary again. Yeah, I just thought it was amazing that she could read the stars and knew that next Monday there would be no more COVID. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, let's we got about four and a half minutes here. Let's talk yeah. about your priorities for the final days of the session. What are you going to be fighting for? What are we going to be pushing for? What can people expect to see coming out of the house here over the next uh, two weeks? Sure. I think that there, I can't speak for the entire minority, but the majority of our minority will be pushing for a statutory dividend for the people of the state of Alaska. There is no reason why we shouldn't have that. Have that. We'll be pushing for um, a constitutional spending limit. We'll be pushing for those components that live lie within the, uh, you know, the fiscal plan working group and um We'll be pushing for definitely uh, no taxation. There's no need to, um, you know, have taxes. There's no need to own the taxes. And even when it came to an eight cent per gallon increase, like um, I, I think that it, again, it wasn't, it wasn't a full dividend, and it, it really was a little bit of an insult actually to say, well, this is what we're going to give you, but what we were going to get was better than what was in the bill. So right. that was a good thing. Right. Um, we are going to, um, as I said, I think that the, the, you know, some of the crime bills are really important to some of the people across the state of Alaska. But the one thing that I'm really excited about is the um, elections integrity bill that Senator Shower is working on. And that I, I have high hopes that that is um, something that uh, we can all get behind because I think um, is bringing back some kind of, um, you know, doing something on that. It's not going to be what everybody wants and everybody hoped for and dreamed for with everything we've ever wanted, but we have to do something and get started 
um, putting some faith back in elections. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. People uh, are concerned. And while I'm not on the bandwagon that everything was uh, that, you know, that everything is to blame on election problems. I do agree that there is some issues with security, integrity, you know, verification, those kind of things. And uh, and this is again, this is not just a 2020 problem. This has been going on since well before then. And these are issues that needs to be addressed. I mean, the 113 percent of voter roll issue is definitely, you know, one of those top priorities. And the fact that we're sending out now we're mailing out ballots to everybody. It's just shown exactly how overbloated those rolls are. You know, and absolutely. And and so, um, you know, that and then personally, I'm going to be working on trying to help people to understand ranked choice voting, not to love ranked choice voting and not to want to keep ranked choice voting. Absolutely not. But at least so that people will go to go out and exercise the right to vote, because if we don't do that, because we hate what happened with ballot measure two, and I, 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 I hate it, too, but we have to. The more you can learn about, the more comfortable you can be so that you can teach your neighbors and people, you know, if we if we don't go vote because we don't like it, then we don't help ourselves. Well, I got I got to say that it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to watch uh, what happens. I think this is going to be one of the most disastrous elections because I think people are just they Absolutely. have no they have no idea. They have no right. clue what's coming. I talk to people and say, well, yeah, you've got this one. And then on the 16th, you've got both a special primary and a rank check. <laughs> and they're like, well, what do right. you mean? And then you start to explain it and they go, what? I mean, they just right. it, you know, it's it's going to be a complete and total shock to people so it's uh, it really is with redistricting which is also very confusing redistricting with ranked choice voting and and then add the uh special election that we're adding into that um it's yeah it's all it's all very very confusing um so all right well, my, do my best to help educate people one thing i do want to add is that today is national day of prayer Okay. And you will see um, your um, some of your legislators will be out and they will be praying and praying for the uh, the preborn, praying for the media, praying for uh, the state leadership and all that. So uh, please join Ka- us. Kathy Tilton, thank you so much, folks. We are out of time. Hour two is dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. All right, Kathy. Uh, I wanted to yeah. give I wanted to give you the floor there. Sorry, I was up against the hard break there, but I want to give you no the worries. floor for the last couple of minutes here. Anything else you got uh, that we didn't touch on that you wanted to touch on real quick? No, the only thing I wanted to touch on is that people who are looking at the the gubernatorial race, there is going to be a the Matsu Republican women are holding a forum, and um, you know I don't have a dog in that fight, but we all do actually. So I would encourage people to look into that um, to hear the uh, to hear the um, Republican uh, people who are running for that particular seat. I know there's been uh, some questionnaires on the uh, replacement of uh, of uh, Congressman Young's seat. I don't know if there's been any forums as such, but you know, um, there's a lot of things to make some decisions on, and those are going to affect what our future, our long-term future is going to look like, and I just uh, just uh, would encourage people to, to uh, get as informed as they can. Yeah, no, we need the education is something that's important. I'll be honest with you, I... Am shocked that the state has not undertaken an education campaign to educate people on this. I mean, when Fanumiai was in front of the thing when they first announced when they were going to send out the ballots and everything, and somebody asked that, she's like, "Well, we, you know, we put together a website and we put yeah. together a mailer." And I'm like, "But 
I first of all, I never got the mailer. I saw them because people would send me pictures of them, but I never got a mailer that yeah. talked about it. And how am I going to know that there's a change if I'm not really paying attention and plug in? How am I going to go find your website? Why is there not why is there not been a million dollars spent of all the monies that you could spend spending a million dollars to educate people on how the ranked choice voting system worked seems to me would be a pretty good use of the state's money at this point. And would be one of the better uses of the state's money, better than a lot of the other things we're spending money on right now. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I mean, this is it's insane. It's insane that we can't uh, the, the, the state is not saying, here's what's coming. This ballot is this ballot. When you come to the 16th, it's going to be even more confusing because you're going to have the jungle primary and rank choice on the same ballot. And then you're right. going to have just rank choice in November. I mean, nobody's explaining this at all or even, you know, really kind of laying out what rank choice is. And sure. and like I said, I talk to regular people who are not super voters, who are not listening mm-hmm. to this show and they go, what? What, yeah, what do you exactly. mean? I mean, they have exactly. no idea. Well, I'll tell you what, it's going to be incumbent upon the people who are the can- uh, the candidates to go out and to educate as best as they can. I know what I'm doing is I'm offering to uh, talk and, and to set up things with um, community councils, churches, whoever wants to whoever wants to listen. Plus, when I'm going door to door, I'm going to just, you know, ask people if they, you know, <laughs> you know, do they do they know? Do they understand? Do they know? Right. Um, do they get it? I don't want to insult anybody, but, you know. Um, we do need to, we do need to be informed on it because we're not informed. We, you know, and again, most of my, my voters in my district voted no, I'm guessing, um, there isn't very many that voted for it. So if you didn't vote for it, you probably don't really want to know how it works quite honestly. Right. Well, but I mean, I've met people who voted for it thinking it was something totally different than what it actually was. You know what I mean? I was like, wait, I thought this was just to eliminate dark money. No, no, it wasn't. No, no, this was paid for with dark money. (laughs) Exactly. That was the irony of it. All right. Well, Kathy Tilton, thank you so much for taking time out this morning and coming on board. We appreciate you being here. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me anytime. Thank you so much. All right. So Kathy (laughs) Tilton, Kathy Tilton, our guest here uh, on the program for now, we're about to jump into it here in a moment with Rob Myers, who is uh, our guest uh, on the program. Um, I've got to go over here and uh, make sure that I've got, um, let's see, um, I just realized, I think I got his phone number. I think I got his phone number in here. Hey, look at that. I think I do. Good morning, sir. How are you? Oh, morning, Michael. Doing okay so far. Good, good, good. All right. Um, uh, you're a little bit tin canny. Are you on a speaker or you want to be on something? Mm, I'm on a headset. Let me take that off and see what happens. Okay. All right. Sorry. It's just, it's a little. Is that any better? Oh, that's a lot better. Yeah. No, you sounded like okay, you were then. in a bathroom there for a minute. Um, <laughs> you know, it, which is fine, I guess, if that's how you want to do things. We're, 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 we don't judge around here. Uh, so. Well, I have done that with you once before because I was avoiding my kids. But. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. That's good. Um, all right. Uh, we're going to uh, we're going to jump into this here in just a minute, Rob. So if you want to hold the line, uh, we'll be back to you in a minute and uh, we can kick things off. So hold the line here. Rob 
Myers, our guest, GOP State Center from District B. We're going to get the full rundown from yesterday, uh, not only on the vote on the full PFD, on the 50-50 PFD, on the overall uh, tone and uh, what was happening on the floor with the discussion of SB 199 and uh, and the budget, the capital budget. I mean, we got a lot of stuff to unpack here. Uh, and as I said, Rob Myers is usually one of the quiet ones, you know, but you listen when he talks because uh, he's, he's a pretty sharp operator. And uh, so we want to get We'll get some insight from him here in just a moment on that. Folks, if you would do me a flavor here, uh, hit the uh, hit the share button. Hit the share button if you would like the video and then share the video out to your friends, uh, to the folks you know. Uh, you know, the whole point of this is to get more people involved in the conversation. Um, I would love to, uh, I'd love to hear from people. We've got about 70 people in the chat room and 28 shares. So if we get another 10 or 15 shares, that would be, that would be awesome. Um, if you're on YouTube or Twitch, we appreciate you guys out over there as well. I can see your comments. I see Jonathan's been commenting this morning, uh, and some other folks as well. If you're on Twitch, uh, or if you're on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, ring the bell, and then hit the share button as well. So we're going to uh, we're going to have we're going to have some discussions on that. Yes, Michael, we're also going to talk about the rolling of the chairs that we've been seeing uh, in the Senate as well. Uh, some of the crazy stuff that's going on there, uh, including the the referral uh, to the secondary committee on the uh, on the gender sports bill and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, we're going to talk about all that stuff with Rob Meyer. So <clears throat> like and share, like and share. Make sure you check us out on the this way. Common Sense Core. Common Sense Core. Uh, those are the people that help bring us on the air every day. Let's get down to it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Hour two is right now. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Ooh, baby, around the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. Hi, how are you? Welcome to hour two of the program. We're ripping through it. The fastest two hours in radio. You just missed being a member of the six o'clock club. If you're just tuning in, all you had to do was get up just a few minutes earlier and you could have been an official member of our six o'clock club team who comes on board and listens every morning in the six o'clock hour where we've got good stuff all 
the time. We finished up. Kathy Tilton was our guest, uh, who is the uh, state, uh, the minority leader in the state house. Uh, you can go back and listen to that on the podcast, which is available wherever you find podcasts. CastBox, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and of course, Spotify. So that's uh, what we're looking for. Uh, this hour, we're continuing now our discussions. Uh, it's all state business all the time today. Uh, Rob Myers is our guest. He is the GOP state senator from District B, as in Bravo. He's up in North Pole. Uh, rep- well, he's not in North Pole. He's representing North Pole. Uh, he is uh, down in Juneau now. We're talking with him about things that are going on down there to get the straight dope on what's been going on the last couple days and what he expects to see going into the end of this session, which is only 13 days away at this point. Rob Myers, our guest. Good morning, sir. How are you? Oh, doing okay, Michael. Ready, willing, and able to get going here. I'm so sorry. Um, all right. Well, and I apologize in advance for everything I'm about to say. Um, Rob, this whole thing has just been an absolute chocolate poo parade from the very beginning. Uh, but now we're coming down into the nitty gritty. Uh, this week, of course, discussions revolved around SB 199. Uh, I want to talk about the budget. I want to talk about the omnibus portion. I want to talk about all that. But this SB 199 vote yesterday, to me just makes me scratch my head here we've got a bill that fully funds not fully funds i guess i should rephrase that mm-hmm. it, it splits the pfd out in uh, what i would say would be kind of reminiscent of the hammond 50 50 plan where 50 percent of the earnings draw goes to the dividend and 50 percent goes to government uh and then it changes it it only does that for one year Unless the legislature decides to pull up and and figure out where to come up with $800 million worth of new revenue and et cetera, et cetera. This bill was on the floor yesterday. I know you guys tried to amend it for a full PFD. That didn't work. So then we moved on to the 50-50 PFD. That failed by one vote. Uh, uh-huh. And yet here we sit. So, so give us a rundown of everything that happened on 199. Give us the play-by-play from your perspective. Yeah, so you you gave a, a good summary of what the bill was originally. Uh, it was 50-50 this year, 75-25 next year, unless you get $800 million in revenue, and you got until 2027 to do that. Here's Here was the kicker on that one. Even if you came up with $800 million in revenue over the next, you know, in, you know, let's say next year, you still wouldn't get your 50-50 until 2027. So, you, you know, you, we could just have those extra taxes sitting there and making bank and and uh, we still wouldn't get our dividend. So, so wait but, a second. So, if we found eight hundred million in revenue as as the sponsor of the bill wants, we'd uh-huh. get we'd get the fifty fifty this year. But then for twenty four, twenty five, and twenty six, we wouldn't. So they would have accrued another what two point four billion dollars in excess revenues, and then we'd start paying the fifty fifty again. Bingo. <laughs> I know it's the, it's the gift that keeps on giving. I mean, it's just it's just painful. I mean, I didn't even get a cigarette when it was over. I mean, this <laughs> this whole thing is just like I mean, wow. Uh, and but this is their answer. You know, here's what's ironic to me, Rob. This is the answer after some stalwart senators who've been fighting for a full PFD for so long said, "Well, maybe we can compromise and they can come to us." And the second that they went to the whole, "Well, we'll do fifty fifty," then it was like, "Okay, great. Well, the seventy five twenty five it is." then and it was like wait a second that's not how compromise works man we came i mean that's not how it works well you know i think roger holland had might have had the best comment on the floor yesterday um he, he again i mean mike mike shower likes to point out that he's got you know the the best of the pithy comments and he said last year 
when we were in a fiscal crisis, the solution was to cut the PFD and raise taxes. And now that we got so much money, we don't know what to do with it. The solution is to cut the PFD and raise taxes. So um, methinks maybe it's not our taxes and our revenue that are the problem. Right, right. I mean, just hmm, let me think about that for a minute. I think maybe you might be right that that is that this is intent. This is in you know, the, I I remember somebody, one of my listeners many years ago, gave me a button that uh, he he had been passing out some of these pithy buttons, and one of them says is that uh, he said they're all in it together and they're doing it on purpose. That was what the button said, and and I'm like. That pretty much sums up what seems to be going on in the legislature there, you know, that, you know, especially with the mm-hmm. majority in the finance committees and everything else, they're all in it together and they're doing it on purpose. I find it ironic that these people that beat their chest about we've got to be fiscally responsible. Oh, wait, we've got all this money. Hey, we're going to do everything and then we're going to have four point four billion dollars to play with. But we couldn't possibly pay a full PFD. You know, last year when we were talking about the budget. And then we were talking about our fiscal plan. You know, one, one thing that I and a number of other guys on the more conservative end of the spectrum brought up is we need a spending cap because at some point in time, we know how this works. Everything goes in cycles. The spend, you know, the stock market goes up, oil prices go up, what have you. At some point we know we will be back in more money and we have already seen what happens in this state. When you get more money, you spend more money, And then it gets painful on the back end again. And what we're trying to do is prevent the painful on the back end side of it, because in order to do that, you have to prevent it from going up to begin with. So there's, what, four or five different spending caps that have been introduced. I've got one of them. And, you know, I spoke about it on the floor a couple of weeks ago when the budget came over from the House. And I said, we need a spending cap. So last year, as we're talking about our fiscal plan, there are a number of the less conservative legislators, let's just say, that said, we don't need a spending cap. The 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 POMV cap is our spending cap because we can't spend more than that. Well, <laughs> we see how well that's working now. <laughs> you know, look, Rob, we already saw the stat or we already saw the um, uh, the uh, supplemental budget come out of the Senate. Right. And it was already, what, six hundred million dollars more for this year than mm-hmm. we than we'd already planned for. And then the House just dropped their bomb out on everybody. Now we're talking about a one point four billion dollar supplemental the other way budget. around. Or, or, I'm sorry. Is it one point six and one point? What? It's no, no, no. It's uh. So the the house had this six hundred million, and the Senate bloated it off to one point four. Okay, I'm sorry. I apologize. I got I got it backwards there. But we started looking at this, and we're like, oh, wait a second, <laughs> wait a second. And you're going to forward fund one point two billion dollars in spending, and you're going to do this. Uh-huh. You're going to you're going to do all the bells and whistles, fend all your programs. But I'm sorry, we couldn't possibly pay the statutory P and I have to laugh when they say, well, we've already got the POMVs there. We can't exceed it. It's a statute. You sure as hell can exceed it. You've exceeded, you've broken the statutes any way you want. And the irony, uh-huh. the irony of this whole SB 199 thing is that even if it goes into law and they decide, well, you know, it's still a statute. If, if we jump through all the hoops, got the $800 million, they started paying out the 50-50 in 2027, and there was some kind of stock market crash or something else, I mean, then they'd be like, well, you know, we really can't afford it. Sorry. Uh, right. So we're just going to, we're just going to, I mean, this is insane. Yep. No, absolutely. And that, so that gets, that's a good segue into what I try to do with my amendment and then Roger Holland with his amendment. So my amendment was pay a a statutory dividend this year 
because obviously we've got the money. Start with a 50-50 next year and it's 50-50 in perpetuity, but it's contingent on passing a constitutional amendment to protect it. If you don't pass the constitutional amendment, then it goes back to statutory. So if you want us to, to compromise, let's actually compromise and let's get this thing finally solved so that we can't touch it again in the future. Otherwise, we're going to be back here having the same debate in a couple of years. And it's been so much fun for six years. Let's do it even further for the next 20. <laughs> I mean, at some point, Rob, I mean, some of us on the outside looking in, at some point, we just kind of go throw your hands up in the air and go, I'm going to go have a glass of wine. Um, you know, I mean, it just, it's you just like, I mean, we've been fighting this battle now for going on nearly seven years, six years now, so almost going into seven years over the whole PFD thing. Right. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it sucks up all the oxygen in the room, every legislative session since then. And <clears throat> it comes back to me that I, I realized that, you know, we keep saying it needs to be fixed and yet nothing happens. And I'm starting to realize that this is like the whole wrestling with a pig scenario where you, you you both end up covered in pig crap and then you realize that the pig enjoys it. This is, I think, in some ways, this is what they want. They thrive on this chaos because it allows them to do things that they normally it's an art artificial crisis that they manufacture every year and they're like well now we can do things that we couldn't do before well you know you look back historically and you realize that crises tend to breed strong men so if somebody wants to be a strong man this is a good way to do it yeah well and 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 i think we can point this uh, i think we can point that right to the senate finance uh, co-chair uh bert stedman has been the architect of the budget for many many years and, and he's very much a member of the politician club where i know better than you it seems like uh, seems to be the answer at every opportunity and and now we're seeing even more of that now let's let's first of all i mean i guess we should get into and talk about for just a hot second the the opera or the uh the capital budget um we just were talking this morning a little bit about what's coming in the capital budget and i'm all for reducing the budget don't get me wrong but if you are going to have a capital budget you should at least have some equitability in that we got the fastest growing region in the state the matsu getting only two percent of the capital budget and then we've got the peninsula which is pretty it's growing and it's probably the reddest one of the reddest districts in the state, both the Matsu and the and the Peninsula could probably be neck and neck on that. And it got zero percent. I mean, at what point do we look at this and go, well, that really looks kind of punitive? Yeah, you know, and the strange part about the Peninsula one now, the, the Valley, I could, you know, coming out of, of who's in charge of the, the finance committees on both sides, I could somewhat understand why the Valley happened, because, well, they're not exactly friends with the Valley legislators. The, uh, the peninsula is a little bit more surprising because you got two senators representing the peninsula and they happen to be the Senate president, and the rules chair. So that one kind of makes me scratch my head a little. Right. Exactly. Um, so what else happened during the discussion on this 199 as it went through here? We got about two minutes. So my amendment uh, went up and we talked about that for a while. And uh, then we we uh, so that one got voted down eight to eleven. Then we moved on to Roger Holland's amendment, which was similar. It was 50-50 this year, 50-50 straight across the board, but it still had the contingency on passing the constitutional amendment. Because again, as I, as I said on the floor, and I've been saying to people for a while, if you don't put it in the constitution, it doesn't count. And his amendment failed nine to 10. 
nine to ten with that final vote being cast by the guy who then immediately split the room and went out to do his fundraiser. Um, it's um, there's going to be a few people that are going to have to account for their votes on on both of those amendments because of of their support for the PFD over the years, but then not voting for that. Amendment. Yeah. I mean, I'll be shocked. I mean, I'll be honest. I was shocked that Willikowski uh, voted uh, against it and that Kawasaki, who both have been, who've been very vocal about their support for a full statutory PFD. And now when the opportunity came for either full or for 50, 50, they both, uh, they both pulled the plug on it. And I mean, what was, did they speak against it? Was there, was it because of the constitutional language? What was the reasoning that was given on that? So, uh, Kawasaki didn't say anything. Uh, Willikowski spoke uh, on the first one. I don't think he spoke on the second one. And he basically said it's statutory or bust. And so, well, we went bust. Um, <clears throat> so I, I don't I don't quite understand that reasoning completely. You know, uh, I've got my line in the sand. But again, if it doesn't include some constitutional language, it doesn't count. So it, I, I still viewed what we tried to do yesterday as as better, definitely better than what was in the original bill. Uh, but that's the that's the direction we went with it. It's uh, obviously I'm sure it's very frustrating for you who are hip deep in it, but it's obviously frustrating for us as well as we watch this, because this is the fight that we've been. <laughs> this is the fight that we've been working on for so long. And uh, and yet even, you know, in uh, like you said, the answer when we were the answer when we were short of money is more taxes and uh, cut the PFD. And the answer now is still more money and cut the PFD. And I, I just I, I think that that's that shows their end game in the long run. They want no PFD and they want taxes on top of it because they want to have this kind of money to play with every year. Yep. Consolidates the power. Um, all right. We're going to be um, we're going to be jumping uh, uh, back into this here in just a hot second. Uh, we've got uh, uh, Rob Myers here is our guest. He is the GOP state senator from District B up in the interior. We're going to continue with him here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show continues. It is your home for common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Regularly heard on American radio. Okay, we're in the break right now. Rob Myers is our guest. Um, I forgot to fix the uh, I forgot to fix the alarm thing here in the uh, in the in the final thing here. Let me uh, let me oh no, let me do this right here. Uh, come on up. Uh, give that to me right here. Okay, just a reminder that uh, we're about to. We'll see. We'll see if that does it. Um, all right, Rob. Um, what? Tell me what else you'd like to cover this morning? Because I mean, I've got some stuff that I want to continue to talk about, obviously. But uh, what else would you like to cover today that uh, so that we can lead into it here, coming back onto the radio? Well, I, I I haven't really gone over the capital budget yet because that portion of the budget just came out on Tuesday, and I haven't had a chance to go over it much. I did spend a good chunk of the weekend going over the operating budget um so we could talk a little bit about that if you like yeah no absolutely um, um you know we could talk a little bit more about the the 199 fight um that was it because it, it that bill after we voted down those two amendments we didn't pass the bill <clears throat> we took the bill and we sent it back to rules to sit there um so 
um yeah it's just uh <laughs> it's really boy you know i had I was, I was talking to uh you know i'd have i'd have people come up to my office uh over the last few months this session and and they go well how's the session going and i told them i said it's really quiet i'm not sure if that's because we've actually figured something out or if it's the calm before the storm well uh, i think it's the calm before the storm and now we're getting into the storm right right um, all right. Well, we can, uh, we can dive into all that. Um, Rob, you're still, <clears throat> I mean, I still consider you fairly new to the legislature, this being your first session and everything else, uh, uh, your first term. Uh, w- tell me, has anything, tell what surprised you? I mean, I, I, I don't know if you expected it to be the way it is, but what's, what's been surprising to you uh, in the legislature as you've uh, taken on your first term here? Boy, um, I've had some singular surprises along the way. We just had a lovely little surprise on one of my bills yesterday. Um, but uh, surprises general in general—that's that's hard to say. Um, let me let me just give you a little story about one of my bills yesterday. So we've got a a bill. <clears throat> we do these little board extension bills every year, and they like to hand them out to the freshmen because we've got six or eight of them. And so I, I picked up one of them and we got it through the Senate. It's over on the House side. and the It's sitting in a House committee right now. And they wanted to uh, put an amendment into it on Monday. And I, I told them I wasn't necessarily a fan of the amendment. Um, and the, the agency who it was affecting told them this is a very bad idea. And so they voted the amendment down. And so they had same committee had another meeting yesterday, you know, while the Senate was on the floor. and my staff called them and said, Hey, is our bill going to get hurt again today? Get passed out. And they said, no, we're not hearing your bill today. Well, they heard our bill. They didn't tell us it was coming. And they tried to pass the same amendment. And of course they got stopped at the last minute because of the heroic actions of a couple of house minority members. But, uh, you know, just, just backhanded stuff like that. It's just, I, I do not understand it. You know, I can understand procedural rules, and, and, you know, and, and you realize that, that, you know, everything around here is based on votes. Do you have the votes available, but to go behind somebody's back like that, at you know, light of their face to start with that, that seriously bothers me. Yeah, no, I mean, it would, and it, it would damage, it seems to me that it would damage your relationship. There's gotta be some trust, uh, you know, whether it's in caucus or across the aisle, there's gotta be some trust that somebody says, okay. I mean, when they flat out, if they imply it's one thing, but if they flat out say, no, I'm not going to do this, or yes, I'm going to do this. I mean, there's, there's gotta be some trust there. When that's shattered, how can you even get any work done? Yeah, absolutely. You know, everything down here is based on relationships and, and doubly in our case, because of how small our bodies are. We're the second smallest legislature in the country. And, and in that case, one person can, you know, we've seen it. One person can sway everything. And so you have to maintain those relationships. And so to pull a stunt like that, I just go, I, I don't understand how people can be so underhanded. You know, in my other job, if you tried to do something like that, you know, you'd probably get slugged for it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, the bell means it's time to jump back into it. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio.
All right, uh, let's continue ahead here. Rob Myers is our guest, GOP uh, State Senator from District B. We're going to finish up our discussions on 199. We kind of got through parts of the amendment process. Uh, Rob, what happened with 199? Once you guys, uh, you, you put these two amendments out, one for a full PFD and then one for a 50-50 PFD, both of which failed, again, with some surprising votes on people who were supposedly supportive of a full statutory and more. Uh, but what happened? What happened after that? So we uh, we both of the uh, amendments to change the structure of the bill from myself and, and Roger Holland failed, um, which is disappointing. Uh, and then David Wilson had an amendment in there to uh, change all of the may pay out the dividend to shall pay out the dividend, which we know is going to be unenforceable because of what the um, the court said uh, a few years ago. And but he put it out and said, well, you know, it just shows that good faith that we're telling the people that we're going to try that we're going to try to stick to our word. And OK, fine. So that amendment passed. Um, and uh, then after that, uh, the bill got pulled. Um, so <clears throat> it, it got sent back to rules to to sit there. Um, what was becoming apparent is you take that bill and regardless of how you change it, or even if you left it the way it started, it was turning into a case of there was no way to get 11 votes to pass the bill. So the only alternative to either killing the bill is to throw it back in rules and it just sits there until such time as maybe we do come up with a compromise and can bring it back out and use it. But my guess is, especially since we've only got two weeks left in the session, my guess is it's going to sit there. And that's where it will remain until the end of session when it when it uh, officially dies. But, Rob, this was the bill that the Senate president said was going to be the cornerstone of sound fiscal policy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, about that. <clears throat> you know, I mean, there's there's still some hope among a few people that we come up with some sort of a grand compromise. And uh, I, I just I, I don't see that happening right now. Right. Well, sending it to committee, sending it to rules sounds like a good idea. Um, but what we've seen over the last few weeks has uh, may may, you know, throw a, a wrench into that because we've seen um, a couple times here the ch the chairs of uh, some of these committees getting rolled. We saw Mia Costello got rolled uh -huh. on HB 55 with Josh Revac and LV Gray Jackson working with some Democrats and, and uh, to pull that bill out of committee essentially for a political ploy because there was no way it was going to pass on the floor, but mm -hmm. he pulled it out of committee to be able to beat his chest on it. And then later on, we saw the uh, the sports gender bill be referred to a second committee over the objections um, of the chair and everything else. So, I mean, how dead is it really? I mean, if you've got folks out there who've learned to love Rule 48 to be able to pull it out of committee, what what, what say you on that? Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, that's that's a fair point. You know, it, it it's it starts to become you know, about this procedural stuff. It's not about the bills themselves. It's, it's about uh, the, the different pieces and, and, and the, the players involved and how they feel about it and how they think they can gain an advantage sometimes. And I mean, you know, that, that cuts both ways. I mean, one thing that I mentioned to people uh, a few days ago is, you know, you got rule 48, they can kick a bill out. <clears throat> well, yeah. Uh, and you do that. You have, you have rule 48 there because you want to make sure that one chair just can't be completely and totally 
obstructionist. And, you know, we saw that a, a couple of years ago. My predecessor got rolled on a bill. Right. And, and I know Mike Showers brought that up a couple of times. Um, <clears throat> you know, but at the same time, you know, funny thing is that the that rule 48 doesn't say who signs it. You know, it'd be actually very interesting if you uh, had the votes on the floor to refer a bill to a committee and the chair and the rest of the committee or most of the committee didn't actually want it. Uh, you know, they could sign their own rule 48 and it could get kicked out without a hearing. So, I mean, it, it goes both ways. Right. And uh, it's, it's just a question of how upfront and honest and open about the process do you want to be and how underhanded do you want to be? <laughs> well, I think we know which I think we know which direction that's going right now uh, as well. Uh, see. So uh, SB 199 back to the rules committee, probably dead for the rest of this session uh, or this part of the session with only, again, less than two weeks left on this. Uh, but, uh, I guess some political points were made, whatever's going on. I mean, you know, the, the bottom line is we're going to go into next year with the PFD issue still unsolved. What does this mean for the, uh, what does this mean overall for the budget and for what PFD is the legend, is the Senate going to be putting out? I know 2,500 was the number that was floated earlier. Is that the same number that remains? They're not doing an energy relief. They're just saying a straight $2,500 PFD. Right. Yeah, that's what's in the budget right now. It's a straight 50 50 uh, uh, split. Surprisingly, for the first time in a few years, the PFD is actually coming out of the earnings reserve account where it's supposed to. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't get crazy now. <laughs> yeah, right. No kidding. You know, we're going to raise expectations here. Um, <clears throat> but uh, that's what's that's what's sitting in the Senate uh, version right now. The energy uh, relief check or whatever you want to call it is not in the Senate version. Um, would not be surprised to see it brought back on the floor uh, to add to it and call it an energy relief check, call it the other half of the 50-50 from last year. You know, I, I, you could you could call it a couple of other couple of different things. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it, that's what we're that's what we're sitting at right now. And, you know, I, I think politically speaking, I've heard comments from multiple people on both sides of the aisle that you have to do at least a 50-50 this year. Otherwise, you're, otherwise, the the state would be up in arms. Well, um, <laughs> you well, you got the Senate yeah. Finance co-chair saying, "Well, we've paid all this stuff and we've done all these things. We put all the bells and whistles in. We're still going to have four point four billion dollars to play with, to play with." <laughs> yeah, you think people will be up in? I mean, and that's what was said, right? I mean, I'm not making mm -hmm. this up. Right. Yeah. You know, and and uh, Brad's been making some making the point on. You, you talked about the supplement a little while ago, but Brad's been making the point on. Uh, his Facebook pages that uh, we put 1.4 billion in for a supplemental for the state, and we haven't even we can't even pay out the rest of the 50/50 from last year, let alone make anything statutory for last year or this year. Right, and it's it's just nuts. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, let's talk a little bit. Uh, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about capital. I know you said you you haven't really gotten a chance to dig into it because it just came out, but I know you've been working on the. Uh, I know you've been working on the operating budget. Uh, now, uh -huh. now, first and foremost, I guess before we go into this, we should talk about the fact that this whole thing is now getting wrapped up into an omnibus bill, which uh -huh. is problematic for several reasons, in my opinion. What's your thoughts on you know on on combining everything here and putting it into an omnibus? So it's not the first time that this has happened. Uh, this is what they did last year. It's what they did in 2020. Um, to some extent. I think the last couple of years, it was a little bit more understandable. There were timing issues and you kind of let everybody know beforehand what you were going to do. 
I know it's happened in years previous too. I can't remember exactly uh, when the last one was before 2020, but you know, when you let everybody know kind of what's coming and especially when you don't have a lot of money to play with, which is the, which was the case the last couple of years, then it's somewhat understandable this year. It was sprung on everybody at the last minute. You introduce the committee substitute at the finance table, pass it out the same day, and everybody goes, wait, what? And this is this is what you're left with, because what it does is it cuts the house out of the capital budget negotiations. Um, because normally house passes the operating budget, we pass the capital budget. And, uh, you know, while we work on our amendments for the operating budget, the capital budget goes over the house and they, you know, put their things in it and in their finance committee or put some amendments in on the floor uh, while we're doing the same thing with the operating budget on our side. And that's and that's not what's happening this time. So uh, what it means procedurally for the capital budget means if <clears throat> you can either accept what the Senate has done with something or you don't get it at all. You can't put in anything extra. You can't you can't raise what was in there. It's either if the Senate put in a project, it stays there, or if the Senate put in a project, it comes out. There's there's no alternative. And so it really cuts out who has any options on the decision making process. Right. It eliminates the ability to compromise or to be able to horse trade or do anything else at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I mean there's 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 usually so much horse trading that happens this time of year. You know, you can horse trade, you know, in you, you can't horse trade officially between the capital and the operating, but it happens between the back room. You know, hey, you leave this part of the operating budget in, I'll leave your part of the capital budget in, or vice versa, and, and things like this. So, you know, there's there's a lot of little pieces in the end game that go on, and this really severely limits the options. And of course, again, you can't. Uh, you you could. Uh, you know, somebody could support a capital budget. Uh, and yet be opposed to the operating budget or the supplemental uh-huh. or vice versa. And now it's an all or nothing scenario. You have to vote all up or all down. That's that's correct. And I, I've heard a couple of people make that comment that they said, yeah, I, I wanted to vote for the capital budget, but I'm going to have a hard time voting for the operating budget. And then there's a supplemental, which normally we put, we, I mean, we pass a supplemental basically every year, but normally that would have gotten passed around March or so. And it would have been, you know, nothing major. We're just dealing with, you know, we had a really bad fire year last year, or, you know, we had uh, a couple of, you know, other natural disasters or, you know, something unexpected popped up and now we have to pay for it. And so it's hard to hard to vote against the supplemental most years because in effect, it's already money that's been spent. And now we're, the accounting is just catching up. Right. But <clears throat> the amount of cash that they're talking about and then rolling it into the operating budget. That, again, is a whole other animal. Well, yeah, because, again, we, if you're talking about a four and a half, five billion dollar budget and you have a two hundred million dollar supplemental, which is kind of the normal range, you know, now you're talking about, you know, fractional percentages. But if you're talking about having a supplemental budget of one point four billion dollars, again, uh-huh. you're going from four and a half billion to over six billion dollars in spend. That's not just a little that's not just a little bit. What is going on with that? Boy, you know, it, it's, it's, it's crazy what some of the stunts that pull in. You know, normally a supplemental is we're making up holes in the operating budget and we're throwing in supplemental capital this time. And I, I, I just don't understand it. This is normally we leave this to the capital budget and, and we figure it all out there. And this time it seems like the only reason to do supplemental capital is if you do a supplemental budget, it lets you start spending it. 
a little bit earlier because, uh, you know, maybe you hit this year's construction season instead of next year's. Maybe, maybe, you know, and that's probably only on a project that already got started last year. Right. Um, well, that's, that's, that's my main question here, Rob. I mean, a supplemental, as you said, is usually for things that came up unexpected, earthquake, fire, things like that, things that you've already encumbered money for Mm -hmm. or spent money on, and you're just truing up the books. Are you saying that they've already spent or encumbered $1.4 billion worth of money for, for this year's budget, which ends in less than two months and yet they're going to do it? I mean, is that the argument here? No, I don't think so. I mean, somebody might try to say that, but that's there is no way that that we started spending that that level of cash over the last what eight nine months ten months of the of the current fiscal year because we didn't know this was going to come in until at least February, maybe March. You know, as we saw the the oil prices starting to starting to creep up, and you know, and then and then Ukraine happened and and shot them up even higher. You know, there's this this in my mind is just one more way of hiding a little bit of where the money went. You just you just tangle it all up so nobody can actually sit down and figure well, it out. And this might have been the reason, again, for the omnibus, because now you've got to vote for everything no matter what. And a supplemental is usually a guaranteed vote anyway. And so now by wrapping it all up, nobody can complain that there's one point four billion new dollars that are not encumbered. That is just a way to hide it. in the. I mean, this is this is just like voodoo economics at this point. Voodoo accounting. Yeah, pretty much. That's that's the that's the level we're at. The operating budget itself, let's talk about that. Well, actually, we're up against the break. We're going to talk about that when we get back. I just okay. I just looked up at the clock, and it is the fastest two hours in radio, Rob. I mean, it just happens like right now. Uh, so we're going to continue here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show continues with Rob Myers, GOP State Senator for District B. One final segment with him. Don't forget, coming up tomorrow, it's Firearms Friday. Chris Chang. Uh, is going to be our, I believe is going to be our guest. If not, we'll have somebody on. It's going to be fun, but I can't wait. It's going to be TGIFF for us tomorrow. Meanwhile, Rob Myers continues with us in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the uh, break right now. Um, and uh, we've got uh, just you and me, Rob, and 80 of our closest friends on Facebook as we continue to talk this stuff out. Uh, going back to the whole surprise thing, I mean, were you surprised as, you know, being a new legislator and, and jumping into this, never having done anything like this? Uh, you know, congratulations again, by the way, in defeating the uh, the incumbent. I think uh, you were the right man for the job. But, I mean, were are you are you as surprised as I think many people are at the dysfunction? And I think sometimes intentional dysfunction that is going on in our state legislature. Um, You know, a little bit. So so. Previous to getting elected, my little bit of experience with the legislature was back in college. And so I spent a, a, a session down here as an intern. And that was, but that was back in 2007. And as I told people last year, the big difference between 2007 and now was one, there's a whole lot of new players. You know, the people have changed out a lot. Um, not just the, um, 
not not just the legislators, but actually there's been a real a lot of staff turnover the last few years too. Um, the other the other part that was different between 2007 and 2021 was in 2007 we had money, and last year we didn't, and now we have money again. And the one crazy part is that in 2007, since we didn't have money, there wasn't a lot of fighting because you could make everybody happy. Now we have money and we're still fighting because we can't put some of these fights behind us. Right. Well, and I think, again, this comes back to the whole argument over the PFD. And I think at, at this point, knowing what's going on, seeing what's happening, understanding that, you know, we're, we're balancing, uh, you know, certain things and that it's taking up an inordinate amount of time. I am fully convinced at this point, and you could tell me if you think I'm wrong or not, or I don't, yeah, I'd love you to comment if you want to. But again, oh. I think at this point, this chaos is intentional. That they understand, again, you mentioned earlier, in a crisis, a strong man can rise. And that, I think that is exactly what's going on. They want this chaos. They want to be able to have their hand on the tiller of the PFD and be able to create this crisis and utilize the utilize all the fervor around the, the PFD debate to basically shield and smokescreen some of the other things that they want to do behind the scenes. I think that's one half of it. The other half of it is what is your vision for the state moving forward? Because, you know, I, I come out of the private sector. Um, I'm, you know, I'm a private sector guy. I don't like large government. That's in large part why I'm a Republican. And so I, I get down here and I'm starting to see that it's not just a question of fighting over money. It's fighting over vision, fighting over who's in control of this state. And you saw that on the House, especially when they had their floor debates uh, over the budget. Um, Tom McKay, I, I posted this one out to social media. He had a great clip, a, a, a wonderful piece of sage wisdom. He says, at the rate we're going, if we fund our, our government primarily off of our endowment, which is the permanent fund, we're going to end up a trust fund with a trust fund government. The entire state can turn into a park and we don't need a private sector anymore. And that's very concerning. The And then... Uh, <clears throat> Again, you had uh, during the actual budget, uh, the, the actual debate over the budget itself, that Tom's comments were over a couple of the amendments. Um, it, Ken McCarty stood up and said, uh, so he's a he's a, a, a counselor and a, a psychiatrist in real life. And he said, you know, I watch what happens in domestic violence cases and domestic violence is based on power and control and controlling the money is a significant part of that. And what he's seeing is this is about power and control amongst the legislature over the people and and the rest of the state and it's, right. it's very very concerning when you stop thinking when you start thinking about it in those terms well exactly and and unfortunately it's a very small part because again we've changed out a huge number of the players uh in the legislature but we still have that finite group that has retained control they're in leadership. They've got the institutional knowledge and the experience, you know, using the Mason's rules and everything else and parliamentary procedure and all these things. And they are essentially running roughshod over all the newer people who have gotten in there um, in a reaction from the public in changing the players that have not been doing what they want. And they continue to ignore 
uh, what the overall population wants. Now, the problem is, of course, is that these are people who obviously are getting the backing of their constituency going back again and again and again. And I'm thinking of people like Stedman and Stevens and Stutes and things like that. Um, but, I mean, they're the ones that are holding the reins of power and basically dangling every you know everybody else out to dry at this point. Yeah, I mean, there you you one of the downsides of having a lot of turnover is that you lose some of that institutional knowledge, and you know, knowledge is power. I, I'm trying to remember the the source of the quote, but I was referencing it somebody with somebody a couple of days ago is that uh, uh, youth and vigor will never stand up to uh, experience and guile, and. Uh, you know that I mean, we're seeing a little bit of that in the legislature today. That's that's part of what's going on. Uh, it's not all of what's going on, but it's part of it. Right. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. So I mean, there's 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 portions of that. Okay, uh, Rob Meyer. We're going to continue here in just a second. We've got uh, more coming up. Uh, the Michael Duke Show continues. One final segment. Let's do it. All right, welcome back. One final segment of the program this morning. Rob Myers is our guest. Um, I was just, uh, we got talking about something else during the break, and I've forgotten what we were talking about before we went to break. Um, It's that kind of morning already. It's just going by lickety split. Uh, So, Rob, I don't recall what I had asked you. We were just going to dive into it, and I think it was uh, operating. We talked about the uh, supplementary budget. And you were going to continue to give us the rundown on the operating budget and some of the problems that were in it. Right, right. So, I mean, obviously, the, just the straight size of it, of course, is an issue. The, 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 the size of the operating budget coming over um, is, is, is a problem. Um, when it came over from the House, it was already a 7% increase over last year just on straight operating. And the Senate added a little bit more to it. And I have to go back and do the math to see the percentage on it. But. You know, the, the other part that's uh, interesting, again, going back to kind of the power and control portions, is you take a look at the money that we're throwing into savings. And we're putting the, the Senate portion of it is putting a good chunk of money into savings. We're putting a bunch of cash into actually the principal of the permanent fund. We're putting some money back into the SBR, the statutory budget reserve. But it's interesting to note that nothing is going into the CBR. And that is the one savings account that we are constitutionally obligated to put some money back into, and yet we're not doing it. And I think you can take a wild guess as to why. Right, because, and for those of you in the public and uh, the audience who don't know, uh, a vote in the CBR, because we got SBR, we've got CBR, we've got a various number of different accounts, but in uh-huh. the CBR specifically, it requires a three-quarters vote to withdraw the money from that account. The SBR is a simple majority. The ERA is a simple majority. The S- the CBR requires a three-quarter vote, which would require the cooperation of the minority to get the money back out. And even though we owe $10 billion to that account, it has it's supposed to have a $10 billion balance, we still don't put money back in there because they want to have easy access and not have to cooperate with the minority at any point. Bingo. So, you know, the one thing that we're constitutionally obligated to do when we have some money left over is the one thing we're not doing. So 
I guess I guess my question is then, I mean, <laughs> when they're ignoring the Constitution, where who do we go to to say, look, you're constitutionally obligated to put this. You borrowed that money, that 18 billion dollars, a big chunk of it, the 10 billion. You, you borrowed that from the account. It's supposed to go back in. If you put it anywhere else. That's malfeasance. I mean, that's 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 the larceny, whatever you want to call it. That is mm-hmm. not right. It's a constitutional violation. What's it going to take to bring that to the forefront? Well, I mean, so we have our, our auditor that goes around every year and audits our books. And she came out with her audit. Oh, what was that? About three weeks ago or so. And told us about the problems that we have. A couple of them we're actually fixing with our budget. Um, back during the Walker years, there's about $200 million that was supposed to go to the permanent fund that didn't. We're we're sending that over. So good. We're fixing that problem. But then, you know, we're, I, I imagine our audit next year is going to come up with a few other problems as well. And at, at the rate we're going. Um, so, I mean, that's how you bring light to it. But that's not how you fix it. You fix it either with the legislature. In theory, you could fix it with a lawsuit. But we've kind of seen how the courts have gone. They largely let the legislature do what they want to when it comes to the money. And uh, so <clears throat> that goes back to we've got one solution left and that's called a con con. Right. Uh, Donna Ardwin in the chat room says the SBR balance will go into the statutory budget reserve balance. will go into the constitutional budget reserve. If the reverse sweep is denied. Um, what are your, what's your take on that right now? I mean, again, for those of you that don't know at the end of the session every year, all the accounts that aren't, uh, you know, all the money that's not encumbered or just sitting around, it gets swept into the CB into the, uh, uh, into the CBR. And then, it has a reverse sweep gets back out. So, and and it failed last year. That was the whole lawsuit over the PCE Mm -hmm. and the higher education investment fund and everything else. Uh, And the courts have been split on that. The PCE was a separate account. So they said that could stay, but the higher education fund, they said that was legit and it got swept out. So do you think that the fight could be at the sweep reverse sweep vote? There, there could be a fight there as well. Um, You know, we, we didn't get the reverse sweep vote last year. I would be very surprised if we got it this year. Um, I, I don't see how that's how that's going to to happen. Um, the the issues with the SBR getting swept, um, you know, it's that's an interesting one to to look at. Um, that may be what it says legally, but is it going to happen that way? You know, again, we keep running into these these kinds of problems, and it, it makes me wonder. Looking at uh, some of the tricks that get pulled in the budget, if that's actually how it's going to to play out come July one, and uh, and so I, I you know again I think it's it's just better for us to be upfront and say we owe the constitutional budget reserve a bunch of money. Let's put some money in the constitutional budget reserve instead of saying well we'll put it in the SBR and then it'll get swept. So we really did it, but maybe not. And, Right. You know, maybe it'll right. go to court. Who knows? Well, and you just mentioned the CONCON uh, as a solution. And uh, mm-hmm. I've put out my concerns about that in the past and everything else. But I think Jennifer brings up an interesting point in the chat room. She says, how does the CONCON help when they're already not following the Constitution? Uh, I, it, fair, I, I think that's a, that's got to be a fair point. It, that is a fair point. That's a fair point. But here's here's what I look at it as is. <clears throat> The, if they're not following the Constitution right now, in large part, it's because the courts have let us get away with it. And what we do is, if, if we get a con-con, is we put the language in there 
that the courts are going to make them that the courts are going to make them follow it. You 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 get rid of the loopholes that the courts have identified for us to allow the legislature to to do these sorts of things. And and really that's what it that's what it boils down to. Otherwise, what are we left with? We're left with you know whoever gets the votes can do whatever the heck they want. Well, that's a very scary situation to get into. And I don't think anybody wants to go down that road. Well, <laughs> we might have to. I mean, at this point, we might. I mean, <laughs> don't we? I mean, at this point, if they just ignore the law and the Supreme Court and the state courts are complicit in part of this, uh, whether you're talking about the Wilikowski decision or the decision on the PCE or anything else. And now we're seeing more and more of this dancing around about the difference between dedicated and designated, creating mm-hmm. separate funds for all these different things. So they're outside of the sweep so that they're constantly protected in perpetuity and everything. I mean, at some point, somebody has to go, um, pardon me, the Constitution says something completely different. I mean, isn't it almost inevitable at this point? You know, it. it, it... Some something is going to, is inevitable. Exactly where we're going with it, I don't know yet. It's still it's still a little murky as to to what is coming in the future. But you can you can see something on that freight train coming. You're just not sure what the cargo is. Yeah. And yeah, you know, I'm, I'm you know, you mentioned the designated funds thing versus dedicated funds, and you know, I it, it's something that it it's it's one of these cases of the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law. In, in a lot of ways, and and I look at the spirit of what our legis or what our our original constitutional convention was trying to do, is it was trying to say, make everything compete equally on an equal footing every year, and that's what we have been avoiding for the last thirty odd years, maybe longer. You know, we stuck to the spirit of the law for the first twenty ish years of the of the. Um, of our, our existence as a state. And then we just start finding loopholes and we have to, we have to have that. That one reason I, I think we need a constitutional convention is because we have to have that open and honest debate. Do we have little funds that are designated and dedicated to do certain things, or do we put everything on an equal playing field every year? In my mind, if you're going to have little funds dedicated to do certain things, you put those funds into the constitution so that then we, we stop the arguments. Right. Exactly. You know, otherwise it should be an equal playing field. Uh, that's the bottom line on that. Rob, we're down to the last minute here. I want to give you the final thoughts real quick, less than 60 seconds. Boy, you know, it's been a a crazy year. Um, the one thing that you, you learn real quick in the legislature is it's like a roll of toilet paper. The, The closer you get to the end, the faster it goes. There's a lot of shenanigans that happened in the last couple of weeks. We've got uh, something called the 24-hour rule, where once both sides have uh, appointed the conference committee for the for the operating budget, then uh, bills can start getting heard in 24 hours instead of taking a week to notice. And so <laughs> things start moving really fast. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> if you've got particular issues that you're watching down here in the legislature, this is when this is when everything moves really fast. Keep your eyes open. Rob Myers, our guest, folks, we're out of time. Tomorrow's Firearms Friday. Live well, be kind, love one another. We will see you tomorrow. The worst part about the 24-hour rule, Rob, is is it's not even really 24 hours. It literally just has to be noticed the previous day. We've seen bills under the 24-hour rule that were noticed 
at 11 o'clock at night and heard the next morning at 8 a.m. on the floor. Oh, yeah. No, they, we play fast and loose with that one. Yeah, I mean, 24 hours is not really 24 hours. It just essentially means the day before at this point. Right. And we've seen bills that have come out of nowhere with six, seven, eight hours notice. And uh, and, and people are like, what? Uh, this? We're, it's all, no, we're perfectly legal. No big deal. Just vote for the bill. That's what I mean. I mean, it's insane at this point. Um, yeah, you can you can go from from still having two committees left to getting passed on the floor in three days. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm, you know, like I said, I'm super frustrated. I'm sure you are as well. I appreciate the work that you're doing out there. Final thoughts. I'll give you the last minute or two here to sum up anything else that you may have missed or uh, you want to hit on here. Let's. Uh, I'll give you the floor. Boy, uh, I mean, we've we've gone. You know, we've gone quite pretty wide ranging today. And yeah, I'm just I'm just kind of keying myself up and trying to make sure I keep my eyes open for what's coming here for the next two weeks. And and also at the same time, hoping it's only two weeks. Uh, you know, we are kind of coming down to the wire in terms of, of being able to finish out the budget before the, um, you know, with without having to go into special session to finish it off. And I really hope we do. My uh, we're supposed to gavel out on the 18th and my housing is only guaranteed through the 21st. So uh, I'm really hoping we finish. through. <laughs> Hopefully you don't have to break the bank to try and or be living in a tent or your office or something when it's all said and done. Um, well, I hope so. But I mean, that again raises it. I mean, I hate to, to stall you here, but that raises another question of, you know, does this fight get down into the government shutdown area? Uh, because there's so much of a fight. I think everybody is so frustrated and wants to go out and they got campaign, do everything else. I don't think that that's a real possibility from what I'm seeing. What What are your thoughts on that if we're going to approach kind of a shutdown area? I don't I don't think so. Um, I mean, even even if we get close to the wire, the 18th. You know, we've still got a month and a half to go until a, an official shutdown. Um, I don't I don't see us going that route. Um, as you mentioned, you know, a lot of people are going to want to get out of here to go campaign. You know, we've got a couple of legislators that are running for Congress and their their elections tw- is June 11th. They're going to want to get out of here. Um, <clears throat> you know, I and, and it, last the difference between last year and this year is last year, I think we had some hope that we were going to actually fix some of these long term structural issues. And so that was what part of the fight was. This year, I think everybody knows where the votes are on those. So we're not going to be trying too hard to fix those long-term issues. We're just trying to finish this year's business and get out of here and orient ourselves towards elections and towards what we can do next year. Rob Myers, uh, thank you, my friend, for coming on board. As always, I appreciate it. Looking forward to seeing those sound bites from yesterday. So thank you for being part of it. You bet. You bet. We'll talk to you later, Michael. Have a good day. All right, folks, out of time. <clears throat> we got to go. We will see you tomorrow for Firearms Friday, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio.
shed our terrestrial radio skin. And now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. 